And I was thinking, how many of y'all eat pizza? How many of y'all really like pizza? Let me ask you this question. Um, have you ever had to go pick up pizza for, for your family or for a group of friends and you got a couple pizzas in the car and you, you're riding home and you know how that, that, that smell just kind of fills up the car? You know how tempting it is not to get in and get a slice? How many of y'all normally will get a slice on the ride home? Maybe two. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like donuts. You do the same thing with donuts. I, when I go buy fresh donuts for the crew, I'm at least get down under that second or third box so they don't notice it when they open it, but I'm going to get me a good hot glazed donut out of there. And I want to compare that with what the scriptures teach us about uh, things like temptation and stuff like that. If, if, if you have a weakness, like a weakness for pizza, a weakness for donuts, it's kind of uh, would be a wise thing not to expose yourself to something that is going to be very easy for you to give in to it. And that's important for us to, to recognize because how many of y'all have some weaknesses? I think the more we understand ourselves and the more we, we grow in the things of God, the more we realize that we do have some things in our life that are, are crippling to us if we cultivate them and we nourish them. And that, that's with everybody even to the point that the scriptures teach us that, uh, for an example, the Apostle Paul, a great man of God, wrote most of the New Testament. God used him in mighty ways, and he had what he referred to as a thorn in the flesh. Now, exactly what that thorn in the flesh was, we're not exactly sure. We, we don't know. It could have been some kind of physical infirmity. Paul had a problem with, with his eyes. He had some kind of eye problem he talks about when he writes. It could have been... Uh, something physical that he went through because he, he had seen a lot of abuse by the authorities and different people. He's, he was been beaten before. He was whipped before. He was stoned and left for dead. So he had a lot of physical problems. And one of those physical problems could have been one of those distinct weaknesses that he had that kept bothering him. And he kept asking God to deliver him from it. And it could have been uh, the, the fact that he had some kind of weakness in the flesh toward a temptation that he didn't want to have, so he asked God to deliver him from it, but God told him he wasn't going to deliver him, that his grace would be sufficient to carry him through. So we want to learn from that because there's things in our life that, that will do that same thing with us. And the scriptures give us some help in this. And one of the places is in Matthew, Matthew chapter number 5. I'm going to read this passage to you. He says in Matthew 5, I think it's around verse 27. I'm going to step on down a little bit further. But he says in verse number 29, If your right eye, your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that you... Have one of your members perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you for it's more profit of you to enter into heaven lame. Now, what, what do you think he's referring to there? I think he's talking about things that are extreme. Wouldn't y'all think that's pretty extreme? How many of y'all probably should have done gouge one of your eyes out? Me? How many? Your right hand calls you to sin or your left hand? 
You see, he's talking about not actually plucking your eyes out or cutting off your hand because that, that, that would, he, he's talking about something that is go to the extreme. And one of the extremes that he's referring to more than any is that it's not an issue with our hand or with our eye as much as it is with our heart. Sin originates in the heart. Because think about it. If your right eye caused you to sin, but it's a heart issue, do you think your left eye will do the same? Sure, it would. If you've got a problem with your eyes, it's not a problem just with your right eye. The same problem is going to be with your left eye. He's just saying go to the extremes. And one of the extremes that we find that the Bible teaches us is that we all have a problem with, with our heart. And our heart needs to be, we need a new heart. And that's what Jesus came to do in his grace, is to give us a new heart. And even with a new heart, our heart needs to be renewed and refreshed on a, on a daily basis. And that is going to extremes, but it also speaks of this. That if you have a problem with riding home with a piping, hot, good-smelling pizza... Let's compare that to something else. Another thing that will cause your eye or your hand to sin, the best thing to do is to avoid it. Stay away from it. Go around it. You know, if you have a problem, a person has problems with alcohol, one of the best things they need to do is just stay away from places that serve it or sell it or have it. Just stay away from it. Because if, if you have a problem with alcohol and you keep exposing yourself to it, thinking you're going to be able to overcome it, it's like that pizza in the car. You're going to reach and grab you a slice of it. And then you're down again, and when you're down again, what do you then walk in? You have shame, and you have guilt, and you have all those things. If it's temptation with guys, or guys with girls, the best thing to do, well, you can't avoid them completely, because that's just living life, but you could avoid certain circumstances that put you in a vulnerable position to give in to temptations and persuasions. You, you just avoid that. You go to the extremes to, to avoid it, to keep yourself from that. And it may be a weakness that you have, and it may be a weakness that you want to be delivered from. And I believe God's able to deliver us from those things, but sometimes He chooses not to deliver us so that we can be more dependent upon Him, His fresh grace, and a fresh word for living every day. You know, the Bible describes, uh, I'm going to give you some words, sin. It describes it several ways. How many of you ever heard the word trespass before? How many of you have you ever trespassed in your life on somebody else's property or something like that? What about, uh, have you ever heard of the word iniquity before? What about the word guile or deception and the word sin? Y'all know what those words mean and why the Bible describes them in, in certain ways? For an example, the word trespass. What did you do when you trespassed on somebody's property? Did they have a post-it sign and they said, private property, do not enter? Or they said, how many of y'all, did any of you ladies hunt? Have you ever hunted on somebody's land you weren't supposed to hunt on? Confession time right here. I've done it. Confession time. Have you ever done that, Miss Kate? Yeah, on somebody else's property. There's a consequence to it. That's right. But when somebody trespassed, have you ever crossed the fence to trespass on somebody else's property? 
Well, the word trespass or the word transgress, it means this. Let's say this line right here, this line right here is a fence line that says I can't go on the other side of it. It belongs to somebody else. If I'm caught on that other side, I'm going to be trespassing. Well, to get on the other side, I've seen the mark and I stretched my legs across it to get under or over that fence. The word means the stretching of the legs. It's actually what I did when God gave me a barrier not to cross over, but I did it and I knew what I was doing. I was trespassing against God. When God says, for an example, uh, you shall not steal. How many have you ever stole anything? How many have you ever told a lie? How many of you ever told a lie against a, a friend or another person? How many of you ever neglected God and didn't give him all of yourself to serve him and love him and live for him 24 hours a day, seven days a week? That's all of us. Well, the Bible describes that knowing that we should do that, but we don't do that. The Bible describes that as being a trespass. We stretched our legs. We went across something God says not to do. But he also describes it as iniquity. What does that mean? Anybody want to give a shot at it? What is iniquity? Iniquity is a word that means wickedness. It means a motivation to do something. The reason I trespassed before when I was in the woods hunting, I seen somebody's property lying, but I heard a turkey gobbling over on the other side, and I knew I could go in there and kill it and get out with anybody knowing I was in there. I would cross over the line, and I trespassed. But why did I trespass? Because there was iniquity within me. The motivation, the sin was in me, and the Bible describes that as a wicked intent. And when we know that there is a wicked intent within us to go across the line, we want to be careful to avoid those situations. So trespass talks about what we did. Iniquity refers to why we did it. Because we have a problem with our heart. The word guile or deception means how we did what we did a thing. We did it and we didn't want to get caught doing it. How many of you wanted to get caught when you was lying how many did you want to get caught when you stole you you confess you stole something before you didn't want to get caught stealing did you you wanted to get caught okay you didn't want to get caught so you did it deceptively you did it so you wouldn't get caught you tried to cover it and cover your tracks in what you were stealing the scriptures refer to that as being a guile it means you did something with deception how many of you ever told somebody something that you really didn't mean? How many of you have ever gossiped against somebody? What is gossip? Gossip is something that you would uh, say behind somebody's back that you would never say to their face. How many of you have ever flattered somebody? You said something to their face to build them up, but you would never said it behind their back or with somebody else. You was just flattering them, buttering them up uh, to make them feel better, to get something out of them, to make them like you. But you really didn't really mean that when you said it. You was just trying to butter them up. You ever done that before? See, all we do those things deceptively. 
That's with guile. The Bible describes that as being a sin. And sometimes some people have a bigger problem with things like gossip and flattery and lying and stealing and uh, uh, having uh, those temptations that just cripple us in our, in our journey. But the Bible also describes it as sin. What does that mean, sin? To go against God's will, it means, how many of you ever shot a, a bow and arrow before? When you're shooting a bow and arrow, and if you're shooting at a target, what are you trying to hit? The what? The middle? The bullseye? The target? You're trying to hit a mark. And the word sin means missing the mark. That God has a mark, His will, which is, brings glory to Him when it's, when it's hit. And when we sin, when we cross the line... When we do it out of a wicked heart and we do it to not be found out that we've done it deceptively, the scripture says we miss the mark with God. It talks about what we didn't do. What did we not do? We didn't glorify him in our actions, in our thoughts, in our ways. But you know what God does? God, God because he's full of compassion and mercy and long-suffering and he's quick to forgive, when God forgives us and we repent of missing the mark, we repent of that wicked intent within us, we repent from trying to cover it up, we repent of what we've done when we lied or flattered or gossiped, when we repent of that, you know what we do? We glorify God and we hit the mark with Him. That's why God values a repentant heart so much. And that's why it's important for us that when we do, how many of you mess up on a pretty regular basis? We all do. We miss the mark. I miss the mark. I live my life to serve people and serve people the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. But as much as I know of the Word of God and the ways of God, I, I miss the mark in them all the time. But I'm grateful that God forgives me, that God grants me mercy, that He renews me and and transforms me from day to day. And I bring him glory when I repent of missing the mark with him. You see, but if I don't repent, what I do is I just keep adding sin on top of sin. And before you know it, I'm not going to the extreme to, to have my heart renewed by the Lord. And I'm reaching out to things and doing things out of the motivation of a wicked heart. And grabbing a hold of stuff that, that he's told me, look, if my eye causes me to sin, I need to gouge it out. My hand causes me to sin, I need to cut it off. Which we know that's not what he's talking about. He's saying we need to go to extremes at times. How do we do it? Well, number one, the scriptures teach us that if I belong to Jesus, he's bought me with his, with his life, he shed his bl blood for me, my life doesn't belong to me. So therefore, he, he, how do I overcome this? How do I go to an extreme? I, I submit myself to him and ask him to take over my life from day to day. I can't let my mess-ups earlier this morning, I can't let my mess-ups yesterday mess me up today. And if I keep holding on to what I didn't do for the Lord yesterday and walking in guilt and shame, it's not going to help me walk with him today. What he wants is me. And when he has me, he's going to renew my heart and my mind for his ways. And when he's renewing my heart 
in my mind for his ways, what I'm doing is I'm denouncing the rights to just do life my way because I want to do life his way. So I'm submitting myself to that. Then I realize that if something's causing me to, to give my affections and my attention to something else other than bringing him honor and glory, I need to avoid that. I need to go around that. If I have a problem taking pizza home and eating it all before I get home, I don't need to be the pizza runner. Are you with me? It's just the way it is. I need to stay away from parties and situations that are going to compromise me if I have trouble in those areas. If I'm weak in those areas, I need to just avoid that. And I don't condemn others who are involved or do. I want to be a tool that God can help them because somebody else is struggling with something else. They may not struggle with the same thing you're struggling with. All you ladies here, I'd imagine each one of you have something a little bit different that is a weakness in your life. And it may be something that God's not going to take from you. But he promised he'll give you grace to bear whatever that weakness is and that he'll give you a fresh word. And the reason he did it with the Apostle Paul was this. He said, Paul, you, you have seen things and heard things that the average person has not never heard or seen. And there's a tendency in you because of that to be elevated with pride. And when you're elevated with pride, I can't work in you or through you the way that I desire to work in you and through you. So I'm going to leave whatever this problem is, this messenger of Satan in your life, so that you would stay humble, that you would be dependent on my fresh and sufficient grace, and that you will seek me every single day to renew your heart and mind by a fresh word of transformation. And what God was doing in his love for Paul was keeping him humble and with problems so that he would be dependent on the Lord to carry him through. And, and, and if he would do that with him, why, would, why does he not do that with us? He does. So if there's something that's constantly eating at you and bothering you and you would like it to be gone and you brought it to the Lord and it's not, just, just thank him that he's using that to keep you humble and recognize your weakness. Avoid things or people that are going to cripple you. There's a guy in the Older Testament by the name of Amnon. He was one of David's sons. And Amnon, David, David had a kind of, when I say a conda, he had a, he had a mess up family structure. You know, when you have a bunch of wives and a bunch of children through other women, that's going to create tension in, in family relationships. And not only that, David did some things that had a consequence, and one of the consequences was is that his children would be at odds with one another. Well, one of the brothers liked one of the sisters. They had the same daddy, different mamas. But he liked her, and he liked her a lot, and he wanted to marry her. He wanted to have her. But his convictions kept him from doing anything. But he had a cousin, which it refers to a friend. And that friend's name was Jonadab. And Jonadab kept coming over to Amnon and telling him, Man, look, if you like her, she's yours. Take her. She belongs to you. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks about it. And he kept feeding his flesh and fueling a folly in his life. And you know what Amnon did? He acted on what his friend kept telling him to do. And he took his sister, actually raped her, and then it put him at odds not only with her, but with her other brother, 
and the other brother wind up killing him for what he did to his sister. All because there was a friend that he should have been avoiding that kept feeding the nature of his flesh to do things contrary to what would have been appealing to the Lord or his family. And here he is, he's trapped in a sin now. He's hurt somebody else because he didn't avoid this guy who kept telling him to do something that he wanted to do in the flesh, but he knew he shouldn't do because it wouldn't bring glory to God. You ever been in a situation like that? You ever had somebody keep provoking you to do something you probably ought not be doing? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever done it to somebody else? More than likely, there's a good chance that we've misled people before, but there's a good chance that you ladies have been misled by somebody else, and they kept encouraging you to do something, encouraging you to be in this, encouraging you to be involved in that, when something in you knew you should avoid it. You didn't act with caution. You gave into it. And before you know it, you was, you was caught in something, done something that you regret, maybe even still regret today. Well, let's go back to the fact we don't want our mess-ups to what? Mess us up. And we don't want the mess-ups of other people to mess us up. And God's got fresh grace for us today, fresh mercy, and we can cling to him and walk with him. So if I've got a problem with a thing, whether it's what I see or with my hand, remember we've got to go to extremes. What do we need? We need a new heart. Well, you say, I have a new heart. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I've trusted Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been born again. He's my redeemer, my savior. Well, it, there's times from day to day, like all of us, with a new heart, we need our heart renewed. And we do that by presenting our bodies to the Lord as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, unto him so that he can transform who we are. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but is there some things that, that, that draw you away from what the scriptures refer to a, a life that is uh, worthy of the gospel of Christ or what the scriptures refer to as godliness and holiness? Is there things that want to pull you away from those types of things? All of us. Why? We still live in a fleshly body. And this fleshly body is drawn toward fleshly things. Things that appeal to our nature. And our nature is bent toward sin. And I need Jesus living in me. I need him living through me. And I need his fresh grace and a fresh word to walk in the day that he's given me. Or I'm going to give in to those natural temptations that keep pulling me, pulling my affections, pulling my attention away from the Lord. And what I've got to realize, the enemy just wants to deceive me. He wants to trap me. And he wants to misuse me and abuse me and destroy me. But Jesus wants to grant me the life and life abundantly. He's got something better for me than what my flesh can do or what the enemy will offer me. I have to walk with him. And then I need to surround myself with people who are going to encourage me and edify me, build me up, and lead me in a way that's going to honor the Lord and bring him glory. And it's good to have a team that love me and care for me and are going to have my back and not going to feed my flesh, not going to fuel my folly, but are going to hold me accountable and love me when I mess up 
and going to help me get back up and keep walking with Jesus. Amen? Always remember, it's obvious because Jesus came to be with us, that, that is, that Jesus loves us. He's for us. He's not against us. He doesn't want us living for ourselves. That's why he gave his life for us. And that's why he says, if any man follow me, must deny himself, take up his cross, and come follow me. We can't live life doing our life our way and expect him and his favor to be upon us. No, he says, come follow me, and I'll, I, will, I will lead and shepherd you through this life and help you with everything that you have to face and guide you, not only for your benefit, but for my glory as well. Amen? Amen. Let me pray with y'all. Father, we thank you today uh, that we can come before you and be real and honest about things in our lives that, that cripple us and hinder us. Sometimes it's not just things. Sometimes it's people. And I pray that you will help us uh, recognize and be discerning when those things are trying to pull us away from you and that we would do, as you said, go to the extremes and that is have our hearts refreshed and also avoid uh, those things or people that continue to try to pull me away from walking in faithfulness with you. I pray that you'll give us a burden and a love for those that, that are even being misused and trying to misuse us so that we can see them come to know you as well. So I pray for these ladies that you'll bless them today, that you'll strengthen them, encourage them, that you would renew their mind and heart and refresh them with your sufficient grace and give them a word to cling to today and walk in. In Jesus' name.